Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your cause upon Hello there, Edwin. Hey, Andrew. Today is Friday. Yes, it is. Excited about that. The one regret I have is that I feel like Psalm 19 had so much in it that I would like to say about the word of the Lord, digging into all those synonyms that we just haven't had time in just five conversations. We've, we've really had to encapsulate quite a bit. So this is it for Psalm 19 today. Yeah, and um, mm, that'll be okay, though. <laughs> well, we'll move on to Psalm 20 next week. Let's do that. There'll be a lot in Psalm 20 also. Let's get after it. Let's read Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Today I'm reading from the CSB, and here's what it says. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the inhabited world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a groom coming from the bridal chamber. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to their other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The commandment of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than in abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey, than honey dripping from the comb. In addition, your servant is warned by them. There is great reward in keeping them. Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule over me. Then I will be innocent and cleansed from blatant rebellion. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I so appreciate in this psalm how part of David's response to the Word of God and to this scripture uh, is is to declare his need for cleansing, that uh, in reflection upon the holiness of God and all that it is sure to do, David recognizes he falls short and he sins, and how the Word of God can even protect him from sin. I'm glad that you've brought that up because this helps me with the part of other psalms that always gives me a great big problem about David, where David will make claims like, I'm praying this because of how blameless I am and how righteous I am. And every time we get to those, we we end up saying the same thing. And and I know in the context that it's right and it's true that David is either talking about a a specific accusation or it's a particular time of his life or he was better than other times of his life or... Or he's referring relative to the ones who are accusing him. I understand that until I get to this psalm. And all of a sudden, when I get to read this psalm, I realize the basis for his blamelessness in the other psalms. Sure. And that is, what what did we learn about the word of the Lord? The word of the Lord was perfect. Mm-hmm. The word of the Lord is, is blameless. In fact, in verse 7, when it says the law of the Lord is perfect, yeah. that's the same word. 
Okay. As the blameless. Ah, so the and okay. you know the funny thing is we don't ever get to the law of the Lord and when it says it's blameless. Now we shouldn't see that as saying that it's sinlessly perfect. That's exactly what we think it is. Well, that's right. We we think it's sinless, it's holy, it's righteous. Yeah. But then we get to this part where he talks about, you know, by your word I will be blameless. Mm. When your word has its way in my life, it will it'll reprove me, it will acquit me or forgive me or bring remission for my sins. And so then now I can read all of those declarations that David himself makes about his own blamelessness as understanding. Ah, ah, David is talking about where he is not in his own strength, but where he is because of God's word and revelation in his life. And that was really hinted at in Psalm 18, where I had one of my big problems with one of the sections as he was talking about how blameless he was and, oh, the Lord has responded because of my righteousness. But then later he pointed out, well, the Lord has made my way blameless. Right. It's not I did it. It's not because I was so amazing. Now I know how the Lord did it. He used his word. So we're told that the word of God warns the servant of God. Verse 11, moreover, by them your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. That when God sets forth these laws, rules here in scripture, it is not to hurt his people. It is to protect his people, benefit and bless his people. Uh, I know that sometimes... There is this caricature of the Bible and even people who want to follow the Bible and are concerned with what it says. Well, you're just trying to stop my fun and kill my joy. And, you know, these these prudish people and they can't smile because they're too holy. Um, and they yet, should hear us when the microphones are turned off. I know. I mean, just just listening when the microphones are on. They see what joyful, wonderful people we are. But what I'm saying here is that when you go by the word of God, yes, there is authority and rules, but that these are here to save us, to keep us in a path of blessing so that we don't get off to our own destruction and our own demise. This final paragraph talks about David and his own life, mentioning a couple of things. First of all, who can discern his errors? Who can see his yeah, own sins? Verse who can, 12. You know, this This is one of well, the things. Can I tell you on that? Yeah. I, I, it puts me in mind in some other passages of Scripture that talks about how the heart is deceitful above mm-hmm. all things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is difficult to see your own sins because we have this proclivity to be able to rationalize or justify just about anything we do. And yet here is God's word and his truth, which declares and clarifies for us what is righteousness, what is pure. The words on the page don't change. And so when we hold up our life and our attitudes before them, we're actually able to see. I was just looking for a book on my library here behind where I'm sitting. I know that was distracting to you. Sorry about that. I was trying to remember who I heard this uh, statement from. But I can't remember his name right now. I know he was called the Wizard of Ads. That was his moniker, but I can't remember his actual name. I, I got to hear him make a speech one time, and he talked about This is one of the, the, the statements. It's hard to read the label when you're inside the bottle. Mm-hmm. And it I reminds me that. of something I've heard from 12-step groups mm-hmm. where, where they talked about the fact that, you know what? When you tell me what's going on in your life, it's very easy for me to see what's wrong and very easy for me to be able to give you advice. And I know, and it's right. It's right. If you would just listen to me, it's right. And usually it is. But for me, mm-hmm. when I am looking at my own life and my own problems and my own struggles, I would probably be better off finding the the, the bum living on the park bench intoxicated 
and lay out my life before him and get advice from him than listen to myself about my own life. <laughs> that probably would be better. Well, and here is this personal God, but who is outside of us and beyond us and greater than us, yes. able to look down at the situation and, and put it clearly to us. And I need to turn to him because I am a sinner. Uh-huh. And in my sin, my perspective is skewed. Mm-hmm. My outlook is flawed. And I cannot in that state, truly discern where my errors and follies lie. So, what do I need? Yeah, I need his word. I need his word. I, just a question, and I don't want to put you on the spot. but I so did to you the other day. Go ahead. In verse 12, uh, cleanse me from secret faults, the New King James says. Yeah. Secret sins, I guess. Uh, would these be secret to David? David knows and no one else knows? Or is this... More of this idea, I don't understand even my errors. I think that uh, it could go either way. I'm not 100% sure on that idea. Is it sins that I have kept secret so that nobody else knows? That's a possibility. So, Lord, I haven't revealed these to anybody else, but you know you them, know. and I need you to forgive them. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I think it's very possible, and I know some people really push back against this, but I think it's very possible that David is even saying, look, I— I can't discern my errors. I don't know all the things that I've done wrong. I've lived a long life. Uh, there there may yeah. have been things that at the time I knew were sin, but that's so long ago. I've even forgotten about them, yeah. and, and, and they're there, and they're hidden. So I can actually see it going either way, sure. and I'm fine with it going either way. Uh, but I do see the contrast between the hidden faults and the presumptuous sins. Yeah, verse 13, the presumptuous, or I think one of the translations said willful. 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 Rebellious. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this idea that I'm sinning. I know I'm sinning, and I've decided I'm going to sin. Yeah, And so I, I see a, a contrast between those two ideas. And so he says, declare me innocent or justify me. That's what being declared innocent means. Justify me from these sins that, that plague me, that are hidden, that are secret. And here's what I like about that. What we actually have here is a tie back, a call back to the son of the first half of the psalm. Because there is nothing hidden from the heat of the sun. That's right. And what this points out is there is nothing hidden in me mm-hmm. from the piercing glare of God's word, which actually reminds me of Hebrews chapter, what is it? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Mm -hmm. The word of God is like the sun in that I am not hidden from it, and there is no part of me that's hidden from it. It is sharp. In fact, it is so sharp with its double-edged blade that it can even divide these two things that we can't even figure out how they're different between the soul and the spirit. I mean, I don't know how many sermons I've heard trying to explain the difference between the soul and the spirit, and the number of explanations I've heard are equal to the number of sermons I've heard. We don't know what the difference between the soul and the spirit is, and that's the point. This word is so amazing that it could actually divide between those things that we can't even define the difference on. That's how amazing it is. And it, but what it does is it restrains, Mm -hmm. it teaches, it helps. And it's because of the word of God that I am able to overcome sin. It's because of the word of God that I am able to be forgiven of sin. 
So here's the Word of God as this tool, as this instrument that God is going to use to warn and to protect, to provide, uh, and, uh, you know, to, to check us, right? So if we're saying that the Word would keep us back, or this is David's plea in verse 13, keep back your servant from presumptuous sin, will sin. Let them not have dominion over me, that my pride is a huge problem. My presumption and my will can entrap me and put chains on me. And yet the word of God is strong enough to break those chains and set me on a different way. And it keeps sin from having dominion over me. Which it can. And the thing that I have to understand is that I am going to be a slave of something. Mm, Yeah. Romans 7, Romans 8 talks about this. Romans 6, that entire passage talks about this idea that I am going to be enslaved to something. So many people want to push back against God because nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm the king. I'm the king. So they throw God away, Mm -hmm. and certainly they are now free from all of God's restrictions, and they are free from all of God's rules, and they are free from all of God's laws. But what they are not free from is the control of sin. And sin ends up taking over. And, you know, there's a period of time in which they feel like they are just going around doing whatever it is that they want and how wonderful it is and the joy that they get to experience. But at some point, they begin to recognize the control that it has and it dominates and it and it overpowers until they get to a point of even if they wanted to change, they have lost the power to. There's only one that can give them that power. That's God. And the tool that he uses in the main for us is his word. Well, and that is such a temptation to be aware of, this temptation of presumption and of saying, well, okay, I I read the Bible and it says this, but I think, and to go beyond that word, there's, you know, go beyond the authority of the word. And people do that in all different manners of ways, whether it's worship or doctrine or religion or or what have you, uh, to, to say, well, the word of God goes so far, but... But they don't stop and stand on the Word of God. They go beyond it. I know everybody loves it when I say this. I know our time is coming to a close. I've got one other thing I really want us to make sure we know before we wrap up for today and this week. And that is when I understand that the Word is this double-edged sword Mm -hmm. that is cutting sin away from my life. I need to know and understand that reading the Word, learning the Word, living the Word is not always fun and pleasurable in the moment. Mm. Sometimes it is painful. Mm -hmm. In an earlier conversation, Andrew, this week, we were talking about being the branch in the vine. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that Jesus said in that passage in John 15 was that the vine dresser, when we are fruitful, will prune. Yes. And being pruned is the idea of having bits and pieces cut away. Mm -hmm. And that is not pleasant. Not Mm -hmm. in the moment, Mm -hmm. but, but in the long run, When we are bearing by the grace of God and the power of Jesus Christ, the peaceful fruit of righteousness, then we will have joy. Mm -hmm. And, And that will be an eternal joy. And so Psalm 19 has been all about God's message to us and how it should change us. And when it changes us, that's when we can say, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer.
We're so glad that you've joined us for the conversation today and this week talking about Psalm 19. If you are in the Tampa area this weekend, we hope you'll come out and worship with us at Livingston. All the information you need is at christiansmeethere.org, christiansmeethere.org. You might even log on there at 11 a.m. Eastern Time where we'll be live streaming as well. But we'd love to meet you if you are in the area, so come by and see us and let's worship together. Let's pray. Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the week, the time that we've been able to look at your word. Father, we see the power that is in it, the two-edged sword. It's living, Father. And we pray, Father, that we might abide in your word, that we might have the attitude of David to let the word work in us. And if there needs to be cleansing and forgiveness, Father, let us be forgiven. If there needs to be pruning, then may we have the strength to undergo that process to make the changes. Father, forgive us of presumption and guard us from those things. Father, by your word, we can be cleansed and blameless. And we pray that we are that way this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne. Hebrews chapter 12. Trying to remember where this is right here on the is it spot. Twelve or is Excuse it four? Me, chapter four, four verse four, twelve. Twelve and thirteen. Hebrews chapter four, verse twelve. I'd actually written it down, had to find my note there.